The rock. What is the rock? Yes, pretty close. See, we need to do some more work on this, right? So, putting the words of Jesus into practice. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27 says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. We've been talking now, this is the third week, where I've showed you that picture of the Rock of Gibraltar, and I've reminded you that if our house, if our life is not founded upon the words of Jesus put into practice, then your life, if on anything else but that, is founded on sand. Anything else but that. This rock is simply a reminder to us that we are to put the words of Jesus, we are to know the words of Jesus, and we are to put them into practice. That's what it means to have your house on the rock. Storms will come, the winds will blow, and they will beat against your house, your life, your family. And you will be swept away if you're not founded upon the words of Jesus put into practice. What is the rock? It was like five of you. I know I, you hated when pastors make you respond, and it's super annoying. And I don't care. Say it again. What is the rock? The words of Jesus put in to practice. That is the only rock. Everything else is sin. Lord, as we open up your word today, we do need to hear from you. It can't just be us. It can't just be clever things to say. It's got to be you speaking from your inspired word as we understand in our hearts, in our lives, in our very souls what you would have for us today. Holy Spirit, be here. Speak to us. Amen. As we consider what it means to be founded in the rock, the words of Jesus put into practice, today I want to explore four vital questions. So if you're the kind of person who likes to take notes, please write these four questions down because I want to try to answer these questions. Question number one. What happens when a Christian reads the Bible? Okay, that's question number one. What happens when a Christian reads the Bible? Question number two. What happens when a Christian does not read the Bible? What happens when a Christian does not read the Bible? Question number three. You gotta slow down. I gotta slow down. You gotta write. Question number three. How much Bible reading is enough? 
how much Bible reading is enough? And question number four, how should a Christian read the Bible? So you see, the first two questions are kind of knowledge questions. The last two questions are like, put the knowledge into practice question. Got that? So, what happens when a Christian reads the Bible? What happens when a Christian doesn't read the Bible? How much, of, how much Bible reading is enough? And how should a Christian read the Bible? I'm going to try to at least explore those four questions today. So, we're going to start, I'm going to answer the first two questions together, and I'm going to try to answer the last two questions together. That's the plan for today. So, question number one and question number two. What happens when a Christian reads the Bible, and what happens when a Christian doesn't read the Bible? I want you to take your Bible out, where you can look at the screen. We're going to look at John chapter 15 today. John chapter 15. And if you're sitting there thinking, I thought Pastor Jason said we're going to study the Sermon on the Mount. We are. We are. We're going to look at the Sermon on the Mount in depth. But I wanted the first three weeks here to be just a, a study on why it matters that Jesus is the rock. That the words of Jesus put in, into practice is the rock that we stand on. Okay? Is that, is that okay? It's, if it's not, I guess I don't even know why I asked because I'm thinking anyways. So John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. These are the words of Jesus. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The word of the Lord. So how does that passage of Scripture answer my two questions? What happens when a Christian reads the Bible, and what happens when a Christian does not read the Bible? Well, let's take a look, shall we? These are not tricky concepts, but these are tricky concepts to actually live. John chapter 15, verses 1, 1 and 2 again, so we're starting at the beginning. Let's look at these two verses. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. <clears throat> Not a trick question. If Jesus is the vine, 
How do we remain in the vine or in Jesus? Bear fruit. Well, if you if you remain in the vine, you will bear fruit. My question is, how do you remain in the vine? Did you notice that as I read, Jesus interchangeably said, remain in me, but he also said, remain in my word. Remain in what I've told you. He uses that interchangeably. Look at, look at John 15, 4. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. There is a connection between remaining in Jesus and bearing fruit. Now this is an analogy. Jesus is using an analogy to make a point. Are you catching the analogy? The purpose, can I, this is again not a true question. What is the purpose of a grapevine? To produce grapes. If you have a grapevine that is not producing grapes, what do you do with that grapevine according to Jesus' analogy? Throw it in the fire. Grapevines are for producing grapes. This is not difficult. It's not meant to be difficult. This is what we are supposed to do. And the way we do that is by remaining in Jesus. Now, the disciples, when Jesus spoke this to them, they literally had the physical person of Jesus Christ standing there in front of them. They could literally be followers of Jesus because they could literally follow him. Like, walk where he walked. Right? You see, the word disciple that we use has kind of become a, a Christian-y word. But the word disciple, it actually means follower. That's what a disciple is. A disciple is a follower. So the disciples could just as easily be called the followers. That would be a literal translation of the word. Disciple is follower. So the, the, the disciples were followers of Jesus. And how could they remain in Jesus? By continuing to follow him. Like literally. Like they just go where he goes. And he talks to them. He preaches to them. They ask him questions. He answers them. They, they seek what he's doing and he tells them. They're literally with him. So they remain in the vine, in Jesus' analogy, by actually being with him. That's what disciples do. But now Jesus isn't here. Jesus isn't here. How do we do it? How do we follow Jesus if we cannot be physically with the person, Jesus Christ, because he is not here? Like, Greg, you literally put your 
brochure of, and I'm just like, that's the picture. Like, that's how you do it. Like, to literally be a follower of Jesus as a disciple, you spend time with Jesus. Now that Jesus is gone, now we do it by listening to the words of Jesus and putting them into practice, just like the disciples did. They listened to the words of Jesus as he spoke to them, as he talked with them, as they asked him questions and he gave answers, as he questioned them and they gave answers. That's how you do discipling, discipleship, whatever fancy churchy word you want to use. Let me take the churchy word away. That's how you follow Jesus. The rock that you build your life on. The words of Jesus put into practice. The Bible. This is how you do it. Now let's continue on in John chapter 15, verses 9 through 17. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. <laughs> His command is to love each other. How do we know how to do that? I think it might be in the Bible. The way we live out Jesus' command to love each other is to know His Word to us. Do you see? This, this idea of somehow you can be a Christian without following Jesus is pretty popular right now. It's popular in the church that you can follow Jesus without being in His Word or living your life as His Word tells us to live. That is very popular. It's wrong. It's sand, but it's popular. We are supposed to bear fruit. The way we bear fruit is being connected to the vine. How do we be connected to the vine? By following Jesus. How do you follow Jesus? By being in his word. By knowing his word and putting it in practice. The rock. It's what we're found on. If it's not, you're on sand. So, in answer to the two questions, what happens when a Christian reads the Bible? They bear fruit. That's what happens. 
they look more and more and more like Jesus every day. That's what happens when Christians read the Bible. You bear fruit and you look more and more like Jesus. Question number two, what happens when a Christian doesn't read the Bible? They wither and die and ultimately are thrown into the fire. Now, this, this needs to be said again. I, there, there's, there gets to be confusion because people think if I just follow these rules, if I just read the Bible, I'm saved. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying people that are saved Read the Bible. Because you want to. Because you want to know more about Jesus. You want to be more like Him. This is what Christians do. Because that's how you remain in the vine. Do you see that? And yet, I am just increasingly convinced that Christians are not the Word. For all of the stuff that I hear Christians say on Facebook, I'm thinking, have they ever read the Bible? Ever. It's, it's like, what is going on? Can I ask you a question? I'm asking lots of questions today. But I think that this is another good one. Can a person be a disciple of Christ and not spend time with Jesus every day? Think about that. If the word disciple means follow then are you a follower if you aren't spending time with the person you're following? Now, the line between what I'm saying and being a Pharisee is very narrow. I'm not suggesting that you're a Pharisee. I don't want you to be a Pharisee. I don't want you to, set, to follow a set of rules and think that that's salvation. But that, I think it is worth asking that question, isn't it? Can you be a follower of Jesus and not spend time with him? Every day? Can you? I would think maybe you're not a follower at that point. Disciple equals follower. Followers spend time with the one they're following every day. We can't be physically with Jesus. So the way we spend time with Jesus is by being in his word. This is kind of a logical course of events here. Has everybody got that? And yet it's getting quiet in here because you're evaluating right now how much time you spent in the word this week. That's what's happening right now in this moment. And you're feeling something tingling. That's the Holy Spirit. Yearning to reconnect with you again. Questions three and four now become very applicable. <coughs> Question three, how much Bible reading is enough? <laughs> if that isn't a Pharisee question, I don't know what is. Number four, how, do you guys, you guys are leaving right now for the potato fundraiser. Dude, I'm getting the really good application stuff. Luckily, I know they're going to go listen to the live stream later. 
Number four. So, number three, how much Bible reading is enough? Number four, how should a person read the Bible? I think those are questions. Do you think those are questions worth asking? I mean, I think I've got you, like, hooked into maybe we need to do better, right? So now, those questions need to be answered. Of course, I want to say, I don't want to develop some set of rules that you're going to follow, and somehow now you're a super-Christian. That's what I'm saying. But wouldn't it be nice to just have some guidelines? To know, like, what should I be doing? Isn't that, like, that would be good. Of course, when you say what you should be doing, you always got to be careful. In seminary, I, I had a professor tell me, it's not the job of a pastor to should all over people. So I'm, I'm careful. I'm giving you guidelines that I think can be helpful. That's okay for pastors to do. What are you aiming at? Let's talk about it. Now, I hope you'll notice in my preaching that one of the things I want to do is always take us to the Word. I don't use a lot of stories, and I, I really don't use very many um, surveys. You ever been to a, a church where a pastor's always quoting like statistics and stuff? I try not to do that very much, because as you very well know, and know even more now that we're coming into election season, uh, surveys and statistics can be bent and twisted in all kinds of directions. Right? So I don't do that very often because I just want us to look at the Word. But today I want to tell you something that I think is helpful from a survey. Okay? So take it a bit with a grain of salt for what it is, but I think that this is still helpful. So, you ever seen Lifeway stores? Lifeway Christian stores? You ever heard of that? They're a big Christian Bible uh, bookstore. Uh, they're, they're more in the South than here, but they are everywhere. It's it's like the, the Christian bookstore, I think, of the Southern Baptist Church. So they're, they're all over the place. They, they sell, and you go to LifeWay.com, they sell lots of good stuff, lots of good Christian stuff. They are very concerned about keeping their hand on the pulse of Christianity in the United States of America. And so they did, they did a survey where they asked people that are professing Christians how much they read the Bible was part of the survey, like how often, but also part of that survey was how their Christian faith is going. So they asked them questions about how well are you following the teachings of Jesus. Now in that survey they found something which I think is amazing. Really, really amazing. So the Christians that answered, they read the Bible one time a week. Okay? So if you're, our, if you're a person that comes on Sunday morning and the, and the Bible reading that you do during the week is like what the pastor preaches to you, that's good. But here's what I want you to hear from this. In this survey, what they found was Christians, professing Christians, that read the Bible one time a week, that has virtually no effect on the way they actually live. In other words, those people who profess to be Christian in their actual life look exactly like someone that's not a Christian. Even though they're coming to church once a week. Their actual life looks like an unbeliever. Okay? Now, a Christian that reads the Bible two times a week, what they discovered in the survey was that there is a very small effect. So they have, like when they answer questions about their holiness and how they're living, there's a small effect. If a person reads their Bible three times a week, 
It's more than a person who reads two, but it's still a very small effect. It's still a pretty hard to tell the difference between that person who calls himself a Christian and someone who does not. But there's something that you see. Ah, but now here's what's super interesting about this survey that Lifeway did. Someone that reads the Bible four times a week is a completely different person in many respects. Four, now take it with a grain of salt, I'm not being a Pharisee, I'm not giving you a rule, but in this survey, people that read the Bible four times a week are noticeably different as followers of Christ. They are noticeably different. And by the, by the noticeable difference, one of the things they found is that people that read the Bible four times a week or more, four, five, six, or seven, okay, people that do that are two hundred times more likely to share their faith than people that read the Bible three, two, or one. Two hundred times more likely to share their faith. Another statistic, people that read the Bible four or more times a week are 67% less likely to look at pornography. 67% less likely to look at pornography if you're in the Bible four times a week or more than people that are three, two, or one. 67% more. Now, of course, I'd like that to be 100% where people aren't doing that at all. But are you catching my drift here? Do you know why that is? Because of John 15. Because of John 15. When you abide in Christ... When you abide in His Word, it changes us. We begin to produce fruit. The kind of fruit that happens when God is in us. I mean, the fruit of the Spirit is one example, but it's only an example. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That fruit, it's not fruits of the Spirit, by the way, that drives me insane. It's not fruits of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. All of those things are one fruit. They're one fruit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit in you is all of those things and more. So someone who is abiding in Christ, who's in God's Word four times a week or more, looks a whole lot more like Jesus and is bearing fruit of the Christian life exponentially more than people who are not in the Word. And so the last question, of course, matters. How much Bible reading is enough? I've just given you a, something to think of, right? I'm suggesting that you should be in the Word four times a week, like four different days. Minimum. Like that's, that's the minimum threshold that I would want for you as a pastor. So there's my measurable number. There's my measurable number. If you, Because a lot of times pastors just give, and I'm fault of this too, they just give like this cloudy, foggy-like thing. You know, you need to read the Bible more. Like, how much more? Well, you should read it in all your waking hours. <laughs> I mean, okay, that's what I'm supposed to do? I mean, no, I'm not saying that. So I'm giving you a measurable number now. Measure your own life. I'm suggesting to you, based upon this survey, 
If you abiding in Christ means at minimum you're in the Word four times a week, four different days a week, minimum. Now, ask yourself, are you? Where are you at in this? And that leads me to my fourth question of the day. How should a person read the Bible? Because you can say, well, I'm in the Bible seven days a week, but what you're doing is like reading one little verse out of context in a devotional. You say, well, I'm in the Bible seven days a week. I'm going to suggest to you that's not the kind of Bible reading I'm talking about. It's not that that's bad. I think it can be good. And I think God can use that. But I want to suggest to you now a way to do this the way that is about abiding in Christ. Do you see how reading a devotional with one little, like, it's almost like they just, they have this devotional thought they want to have, and then they, like, paste on a scripture. That's the way it feels like with some devotionals, right? Does that sound like abiding in Christ to you? Does that sound like remaining in Christ, John 15 style? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it can be okay, it can be good, but the kind of abiding in Christ I'm talking about is at minimum four days a week you are with Christ the way the disciples were. Are you getting that? I want you to be with Jesus the way the disciples were at minimum four days a week. You got that in your head? So what does that look like? How should a person read the Bible in such a way that you are with Jesus the way the disciples were? Everybody got that? I'm trying to give you something to aim at. I'm giving you a target, but don't turn it into a rule. I'm not saying this that way. Well, let me give you a possibility. Okay? So you've got something to aim at. John Wesley was, I've talked about him, and I'm not going to give you his story, but he was an evangelist about 300 years ago that God was with him, and he changed basically the whole world by what he had to say. Okay? And John Wesley came up with this, this concept of what, what does a, how does a Christian need to live in an actual week in such a way that they are bearing fruit? That's one way of summing up John Wesley's ministry. He was trying to figure out how do people, what do people need to look like or what do they actually need to be doing in real life that actually makes John 15 come alive? Like, how do they actually do life in such a way that they are remaining in Christ, bearing fruit, and looking more and more like Christ? Everybody got that? You can almost sum up John Wesley's whole ministry in that that's what he was trying to do. Now, John Wesley came up with a method. By the way, he founded the Methodist Church. Okay? The original Methodist Church was founded on John Wesley's method. Now, the Methodist Church of today, I might argue, isn't following that exactly. Okay? But that is probably a message for another day. Okay? We are also descendants of John Wesley's preaching in many ways. So I, I appreciate what John Wesley said. This isn't in Scripture. It's not Jesus saying this. It's John Wesley. But I still think there's something we can learn from this guy. Here's what he said. For a Christian to really remain in Christ... There's four areas in a person's life that they need to be engaged in. Okay? 
I'm going to suggest that three of these areas you already know. Okay? The first one I know you know. The first one is as an individual. Just you and God. Okay? So one of the ways we remain in Christ is you need to be personally with God interacting with Him. Just you. This is not brain surgery. Okay? I think everybody knows you need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Like, you need to have a relationship with Jesus. Just you. Prayer closet. Right? That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. That's the first way. Now remember, we're talking about how to remain in Christ. But, according to Scripture, just the prayer closet isn't all there is. Right? Because there's another part. The second part, I hope you would agree with me. I think you would, and I shouldn't have to explain it. The second part is gathering together with a large group of Christians. I think like you're, you're doing it. It's happening. Like right now. Like this is one of the ways you remain in Christ. Is you come, and you gather together, and you worship together. Okay? So, that's the second way. And of course... In the personal time, you're listening to God, you're speaking with God. In the large group time, right, what are we doing? We are worshiping God. Together, we are listening to preaching. This is one of the ways that God works. One of the ways we stay connected to the vine is to do exactly what you are doing and I am doing right now. Like we are literally practicing one of the ways that we stay connected to Jesus right now. Individual large group. Listening to God, talking to God, worshiping together, being encouraged, exhorted by the word through preaching. Right? Now number three. Number three is another one that I think you will understand. Number three is small group. So a small group, a good example of that is a Sunday school class. A small group has a unique dynamic where you're, where you're teaching, but the teaching is such that you can ask questions and interact. You see that? John Wesley said that it's very important that Christians are in an interactive kind of setting, at least once a week, where you're, you're teaching and you're learning, but you're learning by, by giving feedback and asking questions to each other. Okay? But it's like, a, it's like a small group, but I'm talking about like a group of 10 to 15. That's a unique way that Christians are supposed to come together. But it's number four. It's number four that we know very little about. And I'm going to suggest to you that this fourth thing that John Wesley said is disastrously missing from our church in Life Church of God. And not only is it disastrously missing, it has been missing for years. That's on me, as your pastor. Number four is something that is so important, but we haven't been doing it. It is what John Wesley called discipleship bands. So you've got the individual, the large group, the small group, and then the fourth is discipleship bands. Discipleship bands are three to five people of the same gender who meet together 
to hold each other accountable, and to talk about what God has been saying to them. John Wesley said, if you have the other three and are missing the fourth one, it's going to be difficult to follow Jesus consistently. All four are necessary to really abide in Christ, according to John Wesley. So, what does that look like? Well, we don't know because we haven't been doing it. So I would like to tell you what I hope will be the way that our church does all four, this fourth one. And I'm really hoping and praying that this is just not some program that we do for three months and then forget about it. You know how sometimes you do that in the church? You get all excited about some program and then it goes away. What I'm hoping is that this thing I'm going to tell you about right now is something that now just becomes a part of who we are. As much a part of who we are as meeting together on Sundays. Hear that? Discipleship fans. So here's the deal. We started this already. Most of you just don't know about it. We started five prototype discipleship bands about nine months ago. And these discipleship bands have been meeting for the past nine months. We've been trying to figure out how to make this work. And so we started. And we've had ups and we've had downs. We've had good things and we've had failures. And this is my day to roll it out to the rest of you. Discipleship bands, which I would like, hopefully, to launch today, it starts with a little book. This is a journal. And here's how it works. Every day, you read scripture. And there's a chart in here that you can follow. And the three to five, who's ever in your discipleship band? So my discipleship band is John Fox and Jack. Jack, are you still here? Where'd you go? There you are. So Jack and John. We've been doing this for about nine months. What we do is we read scripture every day, and then once a week, we come together and we say, what has God said to us in your word? And when we read scripture, it's usually about a chapter a day, sometimes two. What we do is we write a one-page journal article. The first thing is scripture. We pray to God, God, what do you want to say to me today? We write the one verse of scripture that God is speaking to us, and we literally write it in our journal. Like, there's something that happens when you write God's word. Like, it accesses a different part of your brain. Then, we do something called SOAP. You've heard this before, probably. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. Scripture, we write it out. Observation, we write out in our own words what is God saying in this passage. Application, what is God saying to me, personally, about what I just read? And then prayer, praying to God, asking God questions or listening to God in prayer for the response that he has. Every day. But a minimum of four days a week. See how that works? Then once a week, our little group comes together and we talk about did God say anything really cool to you this week? We also have a time of accountability, which is in the very front of this book. It just says, 
There's a time for Bible reading, there's a time for accountability, and a time for prayer. The three of us meet for usually 60 minutes, once a week. 60 minutes to 90 minutes, no longer than 90, but usually 60. And that is it. That's the whole thing. Keep it simple, stupid. Right? What would happen to our church if we started doing that? I would like to find out what would happen to our church if the people in this room begin reading the Bible, listening to God for what he's saying to us, responding to God in, right, in a written way, and then being together with a small group of people weekly to digest what God's been saying to us. If you were in a discipleship band, put your hand up. If you're in one of the prototype bands, okay? Here's the people that have been doing this. You can put your hand up. If any of you that are in the discipleship band right now would like to, if God is prompting you to say something about what this experience has been, would you put your hand up and we'll bring a microphone to you? Who's got a microphone? I have
I mean, I, I don't get in the word every day. I shoot for the four, um, and some weeks I get it, and some weeks I don't. But um, kind of like Nate said, when we met, we try to talk about our journal entries, but a lot of time it's just like getting together with other sisters in Christ, and it's like a breath of fresh air just getting, I mean, we all have kids, and so it's like meeting with adults and having adult conversations. Um, is almost sometimes more beneficial than going through that guideline in the journal. Jack? <coughs> I know the last couple months I, I haven't been making the, the group, but I know that when I started doing the uh, journal entries and going through God's Word, there was certain scriptures that would pop up, and it's crazy because I've listened to the Bible uh, four times when I'm driving through the summit, but there's certain scriptures that I've listened to that I've never, it's different when you listen to it than when you read it, or listen to it and read it, it's, uh, you see things that, uh, in the Holy Spirit, it'll just pop off the page, um, and one of the things with doing the journal entries as well, um, was not only for my spiritual journey, but also I know that God's word will never return void, and that someday my, uh, you know, children hopefully will will, list, will look at the journal entries as well, and uh, you know the Holy Spirit will speak through them as well. So that was another reason that I really wanted to do the journal entries so they could go back and read that. So it's truly been a blessing, and it's definitely made an impact, not just a uh, my life, but also the family's life as well. So, yeah. I would add, just you know, it's a, it's amazing to me how just the discipline of having to write it out makes it come alive. Because a lot of times we read scripture, but we don't write it. I mean, it was like God was communicating. I mean, that's, that's what the Bible is, right? But there's something amazing that happens when you just, you just start in His Word daily. That's what it means to be a follower. Sam? I think um, one of the biggest blessings from the group for me has been um, we write down our prayer requests, too, and our prayers in the journal when we meet. And being able to look back and see how God has answered those prayer requests um, is just, you know... I don't know, a faith builder, I'm not sure what you want to call it, but it's been um, pretty amazing to be able to share those with each other um, as we move through the, the scriptural reading. John over there?
So the more I would lean in, it felt like God would lean in too. And uh, so I, I it, it was good. It was good. And I learned quite a bit about, well, I kind of look at things weird anyway. So sometimes I would come with what I wrote down, what I thought, and then we would discuss it and I'd go away going, okay, maybe that wasn't the way to look at it, or maybe it was. But it was kind of neat doing some of that too. It would, it, we, I, I, I feel like I'm living it. So that, that's what I got out of it. Did you hear that piece? If you just do individual, large group, and like a Sunday school class, you're missing the community piece. You're missing the doing life together piece. Do you, you see that? Life together. You see that? That's, that's what our church has been missing, I think, in part, is that we're not doing that piece. Now, I, I would like to say, uh, that was all nice and rosy. Uh, it's, been, it's, been, uh, it's been really bad at times. <laughs> Jack just barely mentioned it. Life gets busy. And let me tell you what, when you're about to preach on this, the devil does not want this to happen in our church. You know how I know that? Because it's been almost impossible for Jack and John and me to get together. And I have had serious, and you guys have felt this too, like just opening this book almost seems like an impossibility. It seems so heavy. Like to, to like start journaling and actually, like it just seems, it seems like there's like a weight against me. Because I'm about to preach this to you. See that? And some days I push through and some days I'm tired just like you. Right? My goal is, and this is, there's so much we have more to say about this and I don't have time, but I can tell you this, when, when John and Jack and I first started, we were like, oh, like, yeah, let's go! And then life would happen, right? And so I found myself doing something, I cheated. I cheated. So I'm like, I had to make John and Jack look like Pastor Jason's got all together, right? So I would do like four journals in one day, and then I would put the date like as four different days. <laughs> To make it look like I did it. And do you want to know something? Do you want to know something? When I finally admitted that in our accountability time, Jack and John were like, we do that too. <laughs> and then something even more amazing happened. Because then we said, and I didn't hear from God one time when I did that. It was just an exercise in futility. And then we said, we're not going to do that anymore. If you don't get four, you don't get four. You're not going to be, you know, whipped or something, right? But when, when that pressure to be a person was off us and we could just be in God's presence, it's a, some of the stuff in here is like, I can't, like, that's so amazing. God was just like, this is what you need to hear. And when it wasn't this, like, thing we were trying to do, set of rules, it just, God's presence exploded in our lives. Brad, Todd, Dave, right? It, it's so awesome. God wants to be in relationship with you. He's provided His Word to speak with us. People, from my sermon last week, they would spend the refrigerator to buy the Word, and now we've got it all over the place and never read it. Crazy! And then we say things like, yep, my life is found on the rock of Jesus. And how much have you read the Bible in the last week? I listened to one verse my preacher preached. <coughs> All right.
tails smell too good to go in the laundry. But I do want to do one thing. Could, could you guys hand these up? Here, hand those up. One to everybody. One to everybody. One to everybody. Here you go. One to everybody. One to everybody. All right. I'm going to ask you to circle. There's three options. I want you to circle one. And there is, you need to hear me on this. There is no judgment whatsoever, whichever option you choose. Okay? Everybody got that? I'm going to ask, I'm going to lead us in prayer when everybody gets a sheet. I want you to ask God if He is telling you to be in one of these groups. Okay? There's three possible answers on the sheet that you've got there. Please put your name on it. The three possible answers are I don't have one. What? I want to say it. <laughs> the, the three possible answers. Okay? You can circle, sign me up! I can hear God telling me to participate. So when I pray in a moment, if you hear God say to you, this is something I'm supposed to do. Okay? And you know it, circle, sign me up. When I pray in a moment, if you don't hear a definitive, like, I'm supposed to do this, but you think maybe you're supposed to do this, but maybe you need more time to pray, then circle the middle one. I'm not sure yet. Okay? I will pray and listen this week. That's an okay answer. In fact, that's the right answer if that's the answer that you choose. The third option is, no thank you. I can hear God telling me that this is not the right time for me to participate. And when we started these prototype groups, some people said no thank you. And that's the right answer. Because they knew that their life was in a place where they weren't going to be able to do what they needed to do to participate, right? That's a good answer. Okay? Now I still want you to be in the Bible four times a day, or four times a week, and I still want you to connect with people, but this might not be the format for you at this time. And that's okay. Alright? So all three of these options are okay. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to think less of you in any way. Because I don't want to do, I don't want to put groups together in which there's people in those groups that aren't supposed to be there. Like that, that doesn't make any sense, does it? Of course not. So, okay, so put your name on there. Circle which one of these three, but not yet, because I haven't prayed yet. Circle which one of these three, got your name on there, and then we're going to collect them. Okay, so let's pray. You guys ready? Now, pray with me. Lord God, it is our desire that you would speak to us in this moment. Lord, I, I've laid out for you the best way that I know how. The importance of us remaining in you, remaining in your word in such a way that we are actually bearing fruit and the way that we know to do that is to be in your word. That's how we remain in you. That's how we stay connected to the vine. And that is, it's, it has to be done in community. That's the way that you've set this up, God. That's what church is. But church is not just meeting together and looking at the back of everybody's heads. Church, real Christian fellowship, real following of Jesus is done in real life, community doing life together. Living your words. Studying your words, Jesus, and putting them into practice. 
We want to be founded on the rock. And so now, God, I pray for each person in here that you would tell them which one of these is the right thing to circle. In Jesus' name, amen. Please circle one of the three. And before you leave, I'm going to have those same people come out and collect everything. So just hold them in half or whatever so nobody sees them if you care about that. And those same people will now go collect them. And then when they're all collected, I'm going to pray for the meal and we're going to go have potatoes. Okay, so would you guys collect those?